So today we are talking about the graciousness of God. So I thought, let me just break the ice by singing that old powerful Zulu song. Amen. Uh, for those who do not know this tall man, the tall man is Lindoguse Koza. But uh, because I don't want to see people biting their tongues, you can call me Lindo. So I am practicing graciousness so that I will, I, will, I will be aligned to the graciousness of God. Amen. Shall we pray as we get into the word? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are true to it, Lord, and you speak to it because it belongs to you and it is you. And we pray that, Father, even today you empower us and you transform us and you shape us and you, and you change how we view you and how we view life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we read Psalms 103 as we get into the word? Last week uh, we had a powerful message about the goodness of God. And the week before where we were looking in the gloriousness or the glory of God. So our God is glorious, our God is good, our God is gracious. And because of his glory and his goodness and his graciousness, he is a great God. So our God is great. Amen. So I just want us to start from reading Psalms 103, and we'll just keep on reading, uh, and then get into what God is saying. Um, verse 1, I'll start from there. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all my sins, all your sins, and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. Maybe let's pause right there. Um, we, we are reading this psalm from from a powerful king and priest, uh, the man that God outlined as a man after his own heart, a man that God uh, portrayed and presented as, as a person of worship, as a person who restored the glory of God into the temple, into the house of Israel. But David wrote this psalm uh, in the middle of his life, when he had gone through various stages and various things and various aspects. And he's not just reciting or speaking something because it sounds good, but he is exposing the graciousness of God from his life experience. And, 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 and he's not just talking about uh, what sounds nice and what appears nice, but he's speaking because he has seen the hand of God. He has seen the love of God. He has seen God working with him. But I just want us to, to quickly look into few definitions before we, we go back to our scripture and, 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 and dig there. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not a person who, who loves definitions. I always try to, to, to create my own definitions and my own words. But sometimes uh, these things, it just fails me. Uh, but if you, if you, if you read at, at some, some of the definitions that are out there, it says, 
Graciousness is manifesting love. And it is abounding in grace or mercy. It is being beneficent, uh, abounding in beauty and loveliness. It is to favor or to show kindness to an inferior and to be compassionate. So, so when, when, when David is talking about God who is gracious, he's actually saying, I, in my inferiority, in my, in, in my worst form uh, of, of, of humanity, where I do not deserve to be embraced or to be loved or to be nurtured or to be restored, but God has been faithful. God has, has been loving. So, so he is outlining that when, when he says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget his benefits, he's outlining that I benefited unduly. <laughs> I did not qualify to benefit because I was inferior. I, my, my life, my actions, my words, my ways allowed for God to judge me and to condemn me. But I don't want to forget the benefits that are found in him. So that, that's how he, he, he put that. But again, if you look at grace, we are looking at grace as a spontaneous gift from God to, to people. So his generous provision. He is free and totally unexpected and undeserved mercy. So in other words, when we say God is gracious to me, you're actually saying God has awarded me so if it was in South African context, we would say, God has awarded us a tender unduly. <laughs> so in other words, there are people who are on the line who are supposed to get it, but God favored you. So in other words, it's, it, it is an unfair act of God for your advantage. When everyone sees that this one deserves to be condemned, this one deserves to, 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 be, to be rejected, this one deserves to be cast out, but God decides, I will, I will make everyone grumpy so that I make sure that you are embraced and you get what you do not deserve. Amen. Amen. But again, if you look at grace, it, it is when God gives us something that we don't deserve, something that we are not worthy of. Something that even if we have combined all our works and our good deeds, will still never match even to a percent of what he gives to us. But again, it is God's love in action towards men. So in other words, people who have committed something that is so opposite to what he is giving, but he is giving it to us. And let's go back to what we read. So David is outlining the goodness of God. He's saying... Do not forget all his benefits. And then he starts to number the benefits that are found in Christ. He's saying, the one who forgives all your sins. So I don't know why David started in the issue of sin to expose the grace of God. Because God is holy. <laughs> so God is without sin. In him there is no sin. In him there is no fault. But when he outlines the graciousness of God, he says he is the one who forgives all your sins. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, even the ones that you think nobody knows, he forgives. <laughs> that, 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 that blew my mind. I, I've, I've always read this psalm, but 
When I was just thinking, what was David talking about here? And I just imagined in my head that when David was saying, the one who forgives all your sin, he remembered the night when you walked on the roof. You remember that night? He remembered that. He remembered that day when he, when he said to Joab, put, put this man in the front line of the battlefield. He remembered the time when, when the prophet of God came to him, when the priest of God came to him and said, look, there is a man in your kingdom who is treating someone unfairly, who took a sheep from somebody who had only one sheep, whereas he had a thousand. And he, he, he declared a judgment. He said, no, that man must be killed. And then we hear someone said, you are that man. And we see him repenting. So in other words, when he says he forgives all your sins, even when he has been judging people who have done something which he discovers to be very evil and not even recognizing that he is that person. How many times do we, do we go quick to say to people they deserve to rot in jail? They deserve to, to get what they have. They, they, they are deserving to be poor because they are, they are careless with their resources. They deserve to, 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 to experience what they experience because they don't listen. And God is saying, but you are that person. And God is saying, you are the very same person. I kept on forgiving you. I loved you when you, don't, you did not deserve my love. I, I called you my child when you were supposed to die. I sacrificed my best to go on the cross. The first thing that Jesus said to go and do on the cross was to die for my sins, for your sins. How many times we want justice to be saved? We want justice. <laughs> and God is saying the benefit that he brings is that even though we want justice so much, he breaks the code of justice by showing love. By forgiving us when our, 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 our result of justice is supposed to be death. And then he continues, he moves on. Okay, maybe before we move on. One of the issues that I've discovered that we struggle with in this area of allowing God to be gracious to us in terms of sin. I, I don't know. It's like we, we believe that God has forgiven us. But we also want to embrace the whisper of the devil to say, but you'll never get out of it. And, and, and the benefit is that when he has forgiven us, he has rescued us. That is why if you look at the, at the definition of the word redeem, to redeem something, so he's the one who, who rescues us from sin. He empowers us to move away from sin, to run away from sin. He, he brings something in exchange for what we have. Instead of sin that we have, he brings holiness. He brings a new heart. He says to Jeremiah, you will be my people. I will give you a new heart. In other words, in you, I will plant something that will be able to resist sin. Okay, let, 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 let's, let's come back and, and let's flow. And then he continues to say, he heals all your diseases. I, 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 I cried a bit when I was trying to Check, why did God say all? Why didn't he say he heals some of our diseases? Do we really trust God's graciousness towards our health? How many times where we trust God for, for, for other things? We trust God for finance. We believe he would bring finance. We trust God 
for peace. He will bring peace. But we, we don't normally trust God for healing. I, I, I have encountered this that most of the time when, when people are, are sick and, and you are offering to pray, they say, look, you know, it's okay, I'm meeting the doctor tomorrow. <laughs> Nothing wrong with meeting the doctor. But are we meeting that doctor because we don't trust that God heals all our diseases? Or are we meeting that doctor because I want that doctor to confirm what God has done? I know it's a bit extreme, eh? But I love this extreme angle. Do we really believe that God can heal us? He's saying part of this benefit of God being a gracious God is that he heals all our diseases. And are you aware that in all, HIV is included? Cancer is included? Every, everything is included in all. All our diseases. He heals. You don't need holy water. You don't need doom. You don't need rats. You don't need grass. You just need to trust that his graciousness will bring it to us freely. We don't deserve it. Some of the sicknesses we get because we don't eat healthy. Some of them we get because we, 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 we don't treat our bodies and our lives well. But he heals all our diseases. Can you say to your neighbor, neighbor, I'm healed. <laughs> I'm healed. <laughs> so, there are some diseases. Do you know that there are people who have heart diseases? Eh? Heart diseases. Yeah, heart diseases, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not talking about a, a heart disease like heart failure, or what, where people, they always think about issues. Their hearts are contaminated with issues. God heals even those things. He heals even the worries, the troubles of your heart. He heals them. The fears that we have in our hearts. Because most of the sicknesses we encounter, it's because of the condition of our heart. And God heals the condition of our heart because He's gracious. And then He says, he, Who redeems your life from the pit? And, and when, when, when I read this, I thought about how God redeemed jo- jo- Joseph. Sometimes when God is redeeming us, we don't see that He's redeeming us. When I was looking at the life of Joseph, when God was redeeming him, there were people who were going around looking for slaves. I know they were not looking for slaves, but I'll just put it in our context. They were like, hey, I, I, I am hiring, I need to hire someone. And his elder brother discovered, okay, instead of killing our brother, rather let's sell him. It was God who intervened because they had agreed that this one we are killing. This one we are destroying. There are things in your life that you encounter, in my life that I encounter, where people have drawn a red line to say, we are finishing off this person. Where there, there are situations in life where when you look at it, you say, okay, I'm not going to survive here. In, 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 in the situation where you think the only solution here, God, please, take me. <laughs> take me home. Sometimes, other people, when they see that God is delaying to come and take the home, they decide, okay, where can I find a rope? <laughs> where can I find some... Let me just take myself then. People end up killing themselves because sometimes we find ourselves in deep pits, in deep trouble. Eh? 
Have you ever been in a situation where you, you feel like the whole world is looking on you and you are down there in the dungeon and they are saying, you deserve it. And, and, and then when you are trying to look out and think maybe somebody will be gracious and they start putting in the, the soil. Yeah. <laughs> but, but what do we see here? We see God speaking and redeeming Joseph through his brother. He's saying to him, no, no, let's not kill the, the young man. Let's sell him. Sell him. Oh, Alex. <laughs> so, when they sell him, they sold him to the guys who went ahead and sold him again. But this time they sold him into the palace. So, some, some of us will have palace problems because God is redeeming us. Have you ever noticed why you started something at varsity but you ended up working somewhere else? Because God discovered that what you were studying was going to take you into a pit that you will not be able to come out from if you just went straight from that cause to the throne. He is making you via some places because his, gra- his redeeming grace is bringing an exchange. There are some things that he has to take out of us to bring something fresh. Hmm? Stop complaining. And look at what God is doing as he redeems you. Just, just imagine, for some of us, we would have never met our wives if God did not allow us to go through the redemption route. Huh? I remember, I would have never met my wife if it was not for my metric results that did not work well. I'm telling you. I, I, I was an excellent student, but for some reasons, on our metric, our results went. <laughs> and we had to, we had to plead with the, with, with the department, we had to complain. So in the meantime, I thought, okay, let me just go and, 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 and do whatever. And then that was the time where God made a plan that I will meet this girl who will, in four years later, become my wife. Okay, not, not four years later, but in a few years later, yes. <laughs> I would have never met her. So God had to redeem the situation. God had to take me. Look into your life. How many times have God allowed detours in your life? Painful detours. But what is been the end result of the painful details. How many projects that have failed, but from those failed projects, you are much stronger because God was redeeming you. So redemption is not always a tick. It is a painful process where God is taking out something in exchange for something better. When you are supposed to be a slave, he makes people to elevate you into a, in, into a house sneaker. <laughs> Okay, let me, let me help people. <laughs> During the times of slavery, there were ordinary niggers, negroes, who were on the field. But a house negro is the one who was allowed to wear suits, was allowed to serve the king, and even enjoy the meat in, with the masters, while others were on veggies and cucumbers, you see. 
like ulang ayabo. So these were the ones who were able, like myself and Wayne, were able to have meat, enjoy meat, while abolanga enjoying cucumbers and lettuce. So that's the difference. So God will allow that, allow you to encounter and experience something that is, is way different, but it's still painful, but God is teaching you some, some examples. Lastly on this one, another example of redemption, it's when God allows you to experience pain, suffocation, suppression, so that you'll be gracious on people. One thing that I've realized is that every time you go through oppression, every time you go through pain and suffering, God is actually saying to you, I am preparing you because when you serve these people, when you are responsible over people, you must be considerate of how people are feeling. So stop hating that boss of yours. Love that boss of yours because God is redeeming you through that experience. Hmm? Stop hating your superiors. You see, I'm quitting. Stop, 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 stop being a coward. Allow the working of the Spirit in your life. Okay. And then he says, after redeeming you, he crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. So, the crown is not for you to enjoy something, but it's for people to see your status. The king does not wear a crown because the crown massages the head. No. The king wears the crown so that the people may see and observe that this person is in authority. So when God crowns us with love and mercy, he is, it is for display. It is for people to encounter him through us. It is for people to encounter the genuine, unfailing love of God. As we love the unlovables. As we forgive the unforgivables. As we embrace people who are different from us. As we pursue relationships that are are constructive, that are building, as we add value in people, we are displaying the crown of love, the crown of mercy that we have been placed upon our heads by God himself. Yeah. And then he continues to say, this is the God who is abounding. He is, he is filled. He is in surplus. He is in... He is in, he is in overflow of love. So in other words, he's saying, my love that I have for you, which is the love that will rebuke you, which is the love that will confront your errors, which is the love that will confront your, your sins, which is the love that will deal with your stereotypes, which is the love that will deal with your arrogance. Sometimes God's grace will, will humble us. Hey, you remember when Jonah was offended by grace? Because sometimes grace offends you. Just imagine when a person has done so much wrong and God is saying to you, please go and share love. And Jonah is saying to God, but God, why are you sending me to these people? Because they are evil. These people, they hate us. They've been victimizing Israel. And you are saying, you must go to them. And he decided to take a detour. A self-imposed detour. 
And normally they don't work. Self-imposed details. When he was in a self-imposed detour, because sometimes grace can offend you. I'm not sure, maybe I'm, I'm the evil one here. Have you ever been in a situation where you meet somebody who was troubling you while you were young? <laughs> and you find them in Christ. Like, hey, I'm the child of God, I love Christ. And you think, Ish, I wonder if he has paid for his sins. <laughs> there is a guy who used to bully me a lot. A lot. Who used to bully me a lot. And, and one day, and one day, when I saw this guy carrying a Bible and, and, and loving God, I think I was, I was going to preach at that, at that church. And when I saw him coming in, my spirit was disturbed, like, Lord. Yeah. And, and what disturbed my spirit was that when I looked at his face, there was not even a single scar. And I was like, no, come on. You can't tell me God, you just redeemed him without even a scar. <laughs> Sometimes our, our human nature will want that. We want justice to be served. Huh? And now, and God is serving justice in the other way. He's giving him an olive, an olive branch. He says, no, come. I love you. And God reminds us by forgiving other people. Have you ever visited any prison? You go there, you find people who, who have done great weird, scary crimes. And you find them lifting their hands, worshipping God. And then they testify, say, no, look, uh, I got here because I had killed about 15 people. They're like, huh? <laughs> but God, how? That, that's when God crowns us, crowns us with, with love and mercy. Where we, we are able to trust that he is not just unfair to others by loving us, but sometimes he becomes unfair to us by loving those that we think they deserve. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So he's overflowing with love. But his love, his love is not like how we, we outline love. His love, that's why in the book of Hebrews it says, because he loves us, he disciplines us. Yeah. That's part of grace. His overflowing love is that he will, not, he will not allow you to do something wrong. That is why at times when you have made a decision that, no, I'm going to do this, it's happening, and God is giving you indication it's wrong, and you are going into it, he makes sure that that thing cracks. Like that, like that boat or that ship where Jonah was in. There had to be a storm because God was rescuing him because he said, I have crowned you with love. I want you to go there, even if you don't like those people, but I am crowning you with love. It's the painful side, but God is a God who is overflowing with love. So there is great quantity. It's plenty. It's more than enough. And then, when I was looking at this, I then discovered that most of us, we take God's grace for granted. Especially if you read the book of Romans chapter 5, verse 20. Paul is, is putting something into shape here. He's saying, where sin is increased, grace abounded all the more. Let's clarify this. Sin is an occasion for grace. But grace is not an occasion for sin. 
Sin requires grace for it to be removed. But grace does not need sin to be active. We have been deceived a lot that grace only comes when we are wrong. But there is grace to function. There is grace to live well. There is grace to thrive. There is grace to prosper. There is grace to mature. There is grace to develop. There is grace to be sustained in holiness and in purity. But God was just making indication that even in the midst of evil, when, when you see more evil around you, you must know that His grace is even more greater than the evil around it. When we see people doing things that are not supposed to be done, we must not be scared. We must know that God is there to empower them to come back to, to His grace. But again, I love how Jeremiah puts it. He's saying it is by the grace of God that we are not consumed. Because his love does not end. His love is everlasting. Amen. Benefits of his grace. Amen. He's saying God's loyal love couldn't have run out. His merciful love couldn't have dried up. So in other words... There are things in our lives that are always challenging his graciousness. Me and as a person, I know that my, by design and by operation and, and by how I live, I am always in need of grace. I, 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 I used to know myself as a, as a highly short-tempered person. But grace, every day, sometimes my temper always wants to go, but his grace doesn't fail. Just imagine if a tall man, big like myself, short-tempered, without the grace of God, what will happen? What will happen? So, we need grace. Some of us wouldn't be sitting here if it was not for the grace of God. Actually, all of us we are all the product of his loving kindness. And, and it's a loyal love. You betray him, he keeps on pursuing you. And, and David speaks about the benefits. And then after he has committed all the sins and God has forgiven him, God is putting him in a test to prove that the loyal love of God that he has received, he can transfer he raises Absalom in his family. A young man who is his son. Who is now chasing after him. Who wants his throne. He had all the power and all the rights to kill him and to destroy him. But he is showing love. When his army, when his, when, when, when his warriors are saying, no, let's kill the boy. He's like, no. Be gentle with the boy. Be gentle with the boy. Sometimes... God will, will, will allow people to be patient with you because he's teaching you a lesson of, of, of the loyal love that comes from him. He's teaching us patience. Yeah. Huh? Who remembers how, how troublesome we were to our parents? <laughs> you only discover now when you've got your own kids. Hey, yeah. Those people, they were very kind. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I see what my kids do and I like, 
Mm, I remember myself doing these things. Mm. And right now, if I had a pot to boil them, I would put them in that pot and boil them. But I remember that age. I was not boiled. There were people who were patient with me. And I remember every time, I, 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 I always ran away from hiding. Every time I was about to get hiding, I would negotiate. I was a good negotiator because I was scared of hiding. And when I look at my boy, how he negotiates, I'm like, no, Jesus, this can't be. <laughs> this can't be. This can't be. Grant me grace. This guy, he's troublesome, but he negotiates a lot. Every time I'm like, no, 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 you negotiated yesterday and your negotiation is over and God reminds me. But you negotiated and you were given grace. Sometimes grace is, is to say negotiation's over. Don't do it again. It's part of grace. <laughs> and then he continues to say, this loyal, unfailing love is renewed every day. Sometimes we walk with a yesterday mentality that God forgave my sins. God redeemed me. God healed me. No, he says he, he forgives all your sins. So it's continuous. He heals all your diseases. It's continuous. He redeems you from the pit. It's continuous. So in other words, as we live our lives, let's watch out that we are not walking outside grace. Some, there are people who have turned away from the faith because they feel God cannot embrace them. Because they've tasted the goodness and then they've, they've gone back. Yes, that's the principle. You don't taste and look back. Taste and see. So see is behold, embrace and trust and walk in it. But God is saying, even if you have come to be, to be in a space where the devil corners you. Don't run away from his grace. Even if the, the issues of life has contaminated you, don't run away from the grace. Every morning they are new. He continues to say, let's even come bold before the throne of grace. So in other words, let's come bold before the authority of grace. Let's come where grace is abundant, where grace is, is governing. It's in the presence of God. So when, when, when we pray, when we seek His face, when we, when we indulge in the Word, we are actually in the throne where grace is in charge. His, his throne is established in grace. Where we get things that we, we, where we get things that we do not deserve, where we are favored. Amen. Okay. Kosi, can I just be calm and relax? Amen. And we, we see a number of incidents in the world where we see God being gracious to people who are rebellious. Where we see God being gracious to people even in awkward places. I've got a few examples. If you look at, into the life of Daniel, they were in captivity, but God was gracious to him. The portion of grace that he, he received from God was a portion of wisdom and knowledge and understanding. For I feel this morning God wants to empower certain people and expand certain people who have already been graced in that area. 
Because we live in the days where our nation and our society needs the flow of wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, which is seasoned with grace and love. And I feel like God is saying, for you who, are in, who is in the space of information, whether in the space of education, he wants to display his teaching grace through you. He wants to display his, his, his informative grace, where people will learn new things and encounter things in a gracious manner, in a, in an, in a favorable, unmerited manner, where they will get stuff that will transform and change their lives. Eh? I'm not sure if I'm making sense. The, 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 God is saying, there are people who are in business. I will usher you into a space where your business, you don't have to go to the, to the tender official and say, hey, the tender community will say, yeah, this one doesn't have much experience, but there's something unique about this one. When you, when you start concept, your concepts will, 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 will be creative in such a way that people will come and say, how do you do it? And your only answer will be the grace of God. Sometimes the grace of God will, will behave into your life in such a way that you won't even have reference to say, this is where I walked. You'll say, I was there. I don't know how, but I am here. And that's what God is saying. It's the season of, of his graciousness where he elevates us from the place where our efforts are manifest to the platform where our efforts are absent, but his effort is displayed through us. Where our own energy and our own operation is beyond the, the results. The, oh, no, no. Yeah, it's that, where the results are way beyond what our effort and our energy is. Amen. For students, I feel if we, 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 ex, we, we explore and dig deep into the grace of God, we'll encounter a season where even in our academic space, when we, when we focus on our studies, our studies will be unique. Yeah. Huh? The, things that you, the things that you knew that you would do, you'll be like that lady from Venda who said, I make the things that make the pot not to be done. You, you do the things that make things that people don't know how they happen to happen. Okay. There was a, let me help people. There was a lady in Limpopo who was in drugs. She was a young girl who was in drugs. She sold her mother's pots. Her mother was making pots. So now when they came to interview her, where are the pots? She responded, I make the things that make the pot not to be done. <laughs> so, so that's where it comes from. So God will, will, will make you do the opposite. He will make you do the things that, that people expect things not to be done, but to do, to do things exceedingly abundantly than what is expected. He will confuse people like we were confused by that girl. That girl confused us. We were like, What? And God is saying, for the positive, I'm going to confuse the people. I will shock the people. I will surprise the world. Because I'm, I'm elevating you to the space where the newness of God's grace will be manifest upon your life. Amen. Sure. And then, now if you read Titus chapter 2, verse 11 to 12, you then hear 
the part which is our responsibility towards Christ. Paul is saying here, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us denying ungodliness and worldly lust. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present in the present age. Another version says it teaches us to say no to ungodliness. So God displays His grace towards us, is gracious towards us, but in, in the process, hence we hear David says, Bless the Lord my soul, and do not forget. So in other words, when we receive the grace and when we walk in the grace, it must empower us to do something. And the first thing that we hear here is that the grace of God teaches us to deny ungodliness. So in other words, when we are walking in grace, we don't walk into wrong things. We get the ability to avoid things of 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 the of the world things that are are, are ungodly things that are, are designed to destroy us things that are designed to dilute our walk with God amen and it's the grace of God that empowers us to live our lives unique and sober to be sober minded to be people of sober morals to be people of, of sober relations. Even as we pursue relationships with each other, we pursue them soberly. Yeah. Amen. We pursue them knowing that God has placed us in this space for a certain purpose. We don't stay in relationships that have no purpose. We come out of business relationships that are not adding value because we have learned that the grace of God teaches us to say no. To ungodliness. So in other words, the, it's, it, it's part of God's grace when we ask for things, when he says no at times. I once made an example that even if my son will come with all the negotiation and ask for a Ferrari, I can get him a toy. Ferrari. Yeah. But I will never give him, even if if, even if it's a motorbike, I will never give it to him. He's, he's not empowered to administer that. He's not in a space of stewarding it. Sometimes we, 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 God will deny us certain things so that he will teach us that denying certain things is not being ungracious. Or, yeah? when you, sometimes if you are gracious, you must be able to say no. Sometimes we are too generous to the level where we are not gracious. Uh, I always get accused of being over generous, and I'm repenting for being over generous. Yeah, I'm very generous with time, with resources. Yeah, I repent in front of everyone. <laughs> but, uh, Lord, empower me to be gracious, to know when to stop, to know when to say no. Bablanga, you can't see me. I'm not available. No. To know when, when, when I say, no, I can't give you that money. No. No. You're not getting it. No. To know. I'm, I, I know there are people who are like me. We want to be gracious. We want to be all sweet and kind. Graciousness is not sweetness. 
Graciousness is being able to firmly say no with love. To say things that people do not want to hear with love and compassion. To teach people lessons that they need to learn with love and compassion. Hmm? Have you have that friend? Do you have that friend? Every, every, every week, every day, who is always saying, please bail me out. Who has a friend? Who has ever had a friend who is a bailout? Where, where you felt like I'm a bailout partner here? <laughs> you only get a call when there is a need for a bailout. Huh? How do you become gracious towards that person? You come to a stage where you say, hey, I can bail you out, but today I am not going to bail you out because I want you to understand what it feels like to keep on bailing out a person who doesn't know where to draw the line. I love you. <laughs> and then you leave the person that's being gracious. You are empowering them for the next season. Because some people, when they are in spaces of authority, they can't exercise authority because they are expecting bailouts. Amen. I, married men, they know this thing. When we are still young men, when we are still unmarried, like all the unmarried guys, you know this thing. They, where like, hey, hey, please rescue me. I need to do APC. Once you are married, you need to consult. <laughs> God is teaching us graciousness. Putting boundaries. Can't just say, hey, I'm, 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 hey, I'm stuck. I'm, 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 I'm in, I'm in, I'm in Jobek. I just need 5,000 rand. I say, okay, don't worry, my friend. Didi. No ways. Things have changed. God has put grace boundaries. <laughs> Sit with wife. Eh, my love, do we have that amount? <laughs> Even if in your account it, it reflects, but because grace teaches us to be sober. We are not driven by emotions anymore. Amen. Amen. Okay. I want us to, to close. Uh, if you read the book of Isaiah, chapter 30, it brings in this trouble that we, we, I was talking about around grace. It said, Therefore the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you, and therefore he will be exalted, that he may have mercy on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those who wait for him. Uh, this is not the weight of, this is not the weight that we interpret as in sitting down in the doctor's waiting room and wait for someone to say next or sitting down in the home affairs. This weight is is when we are positioning ourselves for God to transition us to the space that he wants us to be in. It's, it's to be expectant and prepared to be moved by God into the place he wants to do for his name to be exalted. And then he's saying, he will wait that he may be gracious to you. In other words, he will stick around. He will... He will, he will look into your life. He will diligently look for opportunities that you have where his grace is needed. He will look, he will be deliberate to hear what you have on the table to make sure that he allows his grace to flourish you 
He will allow for you to be in the season of restlessness where you will be saying, I want to Kagaza now. So that he will, he will grace you. He will, he will, he will, he will, he will water you so that you will blossom and shine and reflect and reveal his glory to the world that does not know who he is. And then he says, because he is a God of justice, which justice we interpret as fairness, as, as his righteousness, as a standard of God, as a principle of honor. And he's saying he's a God of honor. When he puts something on the table, he delivers. When he makes a declaration, he sees through that it comes to pass. Amen. And, and, and again, Mazalane, we must not fall into the temptation that when God has been favoring this person in one aspect, he must favor me in the same aspect. God is not obliged to treat us graciously in the same way. God's grace to one person doesn't obligate him to do the same to another. We, don't, we need God's grace in different platforms. For some, we urgently need his grace around your health. And enjoy that and embrace it and run with it. Don't, don't feel like God is not gracious to you because he has denied you the other aspect. Maybe you wanted, we wanted healing, finance and everything at the same time. But because God wants you to be able to count and calculate and note his benefits. If you read the whole of Psalm 103, you discover that it's a summary of the encounters and breakthroughs that David had in his life. They all happened in different seasons. Sometimes we, we feel like God is not gracious because we want, we want all seasons to happen at once. And sometimes we fail to give thanks and to even testify about his goodness because we, we don't know which season happened when. So we must understand that God is not forced to, to, to do what he has done to others in the, in, in the, in the, in the platform of grace. He will, he will show his grace towards you in a different way showing the next person because he says he knows you. Before you were even formed, he knew your destiny. So you are unique in him. Even how grace unfolds into my life, into your life, it's going to be unique. But as I close, I want to say, for some of us, his grace is not a, is not a breakthrough grace. It's a stay-through grace. It's a walk through grace. We hear Paul saying, I have pleaded with the Lord three times about a situation in my life. He's saying there was a thorn in my body and I pleaded with God. But God responded and said, my grace is sufficient for you. In other words, it's not everyone that will come out of situations. Sometimes God's grace will keep us in situations because he wants people to know how faithful he is. Have you ever seen people that you feel sorry for, but they are very content, they are very happy where they are at because God's grace is sustaining them. And God is saying, I want you to know that in your life, there will be seasons and times where my grace will be sufficient for you, even when, 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 when what you want is not happening. But people will see how strong you are because my grace will be there. Just imagine having a thorn in the body. And you go for an operation. They say, we can't operate this one. You'll have to live with it. Sure. Sure. Eh? 
and they, and they keep you on medication because it's working something in your system. God is saying, I, I will, there are some seasons where I will just keep you on medication. Where I will just keep you, but I will keep you there on that thing that you, that makes you not to feel the pain. But this time around, he was, he was not taking out the pain. The pain was there, but he was granting him the ability to, to bear the pain and still enjoy the love of God in the pain. It's, it's like when you've lost the loved one. Sometimes you, you, you so wish like God can heal you immediately of that pain and you still have that pain, but you are excited that God is with you in that pain. That's what Paul was saying. That even though this thing is not going away, but the, his power is made perfect in my weakness. Have you ever felt defeated, but all of a sudden when you are feeling like this thing, oh Lord, may this thing pass. And you feel like God is empowering you to endure. His love endureth, then it empowers us to endure. Because he is with us. Amen. So that we may be able to walk and that Christ may dwell in us. And then John puts it, puts it very well. He says, for out of his fullness, the superabundance of his grace and truth, we have all received. We have all received grace upon grace. So, grace upon grace, it's when you get grace to be able to enjoy grace. Because sometimes grace can be chaotic. Huh? I'm not sure, have you ever, like, 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 like the, the story of Paul. He had a thorn in his body. He had all the rights to complain. He had all the rights to say, but God is not fair. But God granted him grace to enjoy the season of, of walking with grace. God wants us to, to know that he has given us a super abundance grace. It's grace upon grace. It's spiritual blessing upon, upon blessing. It's favor upon favor. It's gift heaped upon gift. Because the law was given through Moses, but grace is given through Christ. So here we see God again affirming that his grace is something that is not calculatable. Because it's, it's quantity upon quantity. It's qualitative, it's quali, eh? quality, qualitative quantity upon quality. It's goodness upon goodness. It's love upon love. It's discipline upon discipline. It's breakthrough upon breakthrough. It's favor upon favor. And that's what I feel this morning God wanted us to, to, to remind ourselves of. There is a gracious God. There are all these elements into what he wants to build. But he does all these things so that we may be able to stand back like David and say, Bless the Lord, my soul. <laughs> and forget not his benefits. I know I have not mentioned some of the things that we have encountered as individuals. I have not mentioned some of the things that we have experienced as part of God's grace for our lives. But I want us, as we close, just to rise and, and, and look into a few things. And thank God for the benefits of his grace in your life. I don't know what is it. I don't know what God has done in your life. And I just feel before we do anything, we just need to thank God. The fact that you are here, you are alive, you are breathing, with all the challenges and the issues you have, that's His grace. 
the fact that you are still able to afford living while other people, they are begging on the streets, it still is grace. The fact that your mind is still functioning after so many troubles and so many problems you have tried to resolve, you are still sober, it is grace. The fact that some of the habits that have been haunting you, you have been able to deal with them and resist them, it is grace. The fact that you are able to walk with people that have wronged you in the past, you have forgiven them, you have restored relationships in your family, eh? in your extended families, in your uncles and your aunts and your cousins, it's by grace. The fact that your business is thriving after so many betrayals that you have encountered, it is grace. The fact that your career is flourishing after so many setbacks, it is grace. And I just want us to thank him for his grace. Then after that, we will we can, we, we, we'll, we'll do other ministries. But can we just open our mouths wherever we are and just thank God for his faithfulness, for his grace. Father, we bless you, Lord.